And once again, welcome back to Moving Forward with Young Voices on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Our next guest is Luke Ashton. Luke is an economics graduate student at George Mason University, as well as a contributor to Young Voices. Luke, good to catch up with you today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, we're going to talk about something that I know is on a lot of people's minds, although I'm going to guess for a lot of people, they may not be thinking about the uh, the situation from this angle. We all, I think, have some attachment or perhaps even uh, revulsion to social media. It's just such a part of life. But there's a lot of concern that big tech and and its social media components is is exercising an awful lot of power. And I'm hearing calls, particularly from the conservative side of the spectrum, saying, hey, they're censoring so much conservative speech. Maybe it's time that uh, somebody do something about it. And uh, anytime someone says, you know, there ought to be a law, my hackles go up. Talk to me about uh, your take on Section 230 and uh, and what Congress should or shouldn't be doing in regard to uh, the, the flex that we're seeing right now from big tech. Yeah, and I definitely realize a lot of the concerns that conservatives have when they approach Section 230 and big tech. You know, I grew up in Nebraska. A lot of my friends back there were raising the same concerns. But the concerns I have are that if Congress is doing something, they will actually be doing too much and potentially harm a lot more than they help. And that's because I think while they are targeting big tech like Facebook, Twitter, you know, sites like that, the laws that they are proposing may actually harm smaller businesses that also rely on the Internet. What the brilliance about Section 230 is it affects almost all aspects of the Internet from all the way to big tech and Facebook, all the way down to personal blogger. You know, if Section 230 reform goes forward, I may be affected myself because I run my own blogs. I participate quite heavily within Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that concerns me greatly. So for let's, let's do a quick primer of Section 230. What exactly mm-hmm. does that section accomplish? Why was it brought into existence, and what does it do? Yeah, so Section 230 was actually a piece of the Communications Decency Act from 1996. So this law has actually been around for about the same time I've been alive. And I've grown up with this law uh, for the past 24, 25 years. And what it allows is when someone posts on Facebook, so if I were to post on Facebook, Facebook is not considered the publisher of that content. I am. So if I am sued for posting something, you know, defamatory, Facebook itself is not held legally liable for posting that content. But the beauty also is that Section 230 allows big tech and other smaller companies to do their own moderating practices that are in good faith. So it gives a lot of freedom to uh, have a lot of the companies not legally liable for a lot of the stuff that uh, users post, but that they can also have their own content moderation policies. You know, when you sign up for Facebook, Twitter, you have to sign their terms and conditions. That's a part of that. And they that you have to recognize that they have their own terms and conditions that you must follow. One of the things you point out in, in the article that you have written for TechDirt.com is that if, if, for instance, Congress were to step in and say, all right, that's enough, Facebook and Twitter and the, you know, any other social media that's, that's actively seeming to push back against or, or limit conservative voices, we're going to go ahead and repeal this section and then you, you know, won't be able to do this anymore. This would, I didn't realize this, but you point out this would actually affect other websites that haven't done anything wrong that aren't aggressively suppressing Mm -hmm. differing opinions and it would actually put other innocent companies in the crossfire how so 
Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one of the examples I bring up in my article is a family restaurant in Steubenville, Ohio. And I think the owner of this restaurant planned a brilliant op-ed in his local newspaper talking about how Section 230 reform or removal would heavily affect his business because his business relies on a lot of user comments. And if sites uh, are required to monitor a lot of these user contents and potentially remove them before they're even seen on their site, if reform through Section 230 is allowed, this may prevent a lot of good content showing, hey, I really like this restaurant in Steubenville. I recommend you guys go. A lot of that might be removed if uh, current reform practices uh, proposed by Congress go through. And it also affects a lot of different uh, companies like Wikipedia. You know, everyone uses that, even though I technically can't cite it a lot of my term papers in grad right, school. Right. I use that as a great resource to kind of get me going on a lot of my research. And they have a very, very strong content moderation policy as well as a volunteer moderation system to actually make sure that the content they have on there is well-researched, well-thought-out, and it isn't something that is outright defamatory or is uh, attacking someone. And I also bring up all trails, which I don't use all trails, but I know a lot of my friends use it when they're trying to just go hiking. And that relies on a lot of customers using the app and using all trails to recommend what are good trails and what are bad trails. And the point I make in the article is that a lot of reforms coming into from Congress should not be one size fits all because what is good for Facebook is not necessarily good for Wikipedia or not necessarily good for all trails. And that's why I advocate for a lot of soft law reforms. What does soft law mean? It might be easier to say what soft law isn't in the sense of soft law is a lot of different things, but soft law is not hard law in the sense when you have government regulation and you violate that regulation, usually this is within uh, the Code of Federal Regulations or the CFR, if you violate a specific regulation, you are fined, thrown in jail, et cetera, et cetera. You know? um, but soft law initiatives are initiatives that usually come from the bottom up, and they can be content policies by a uh, single company. Or the example I bring up in the article is Reddit. They actually have a soft law principle through the Santa Clara principles which is a soft law effort uh, led by the Electronic Frontier Foundation, as well as the ACLU and several other different organizations to make content moderation a more open policy for their customers. And Reddit has really taken this to heart, and they have a regular yearly transparency report for all their content moderation issues that anyone can access online. You can go on Google and look it up, and they have the past five, six, seven years available for download. So they'll actually show you what content was re- was removed and the reasons why they removed it they'll usually bucket into different areas like if they did remove it how many of these were related to defamation how many of these were related to ongoing criminal investigations how many were these related to potential uh slander you know uh, or sexual abuse or anything like that or also related to uh sexualized content because i know with reddit they removed a lot of pornographic material so they'll start saying like hey what is related to that content and why we're removing it how much did we remove Okay, talk to me about the role that uh, that innovation will play as opposed to let's just get Congress to make a law or, or worse, repeal Section 230. Where could innovation provide some solutions? Yeah, so the innovation... I think is the strongest is Reddit, um, as I said previously, but Facebook also is innovating with their own uh, series of reforms through their oversight board. 
which they did that based on user feedback of like, hey, users were very angry about what was happening. And if you remember from two or three years ago, Facebook, you know, Mark Zuckerberg was being put in front of Congress and the Senate and being grilled about a lot of these issues. And in turn, they responded with their own oversight board. And I think that is an innovation in itself, but that's an innovation that's really good for Facebook and maybe other big companies like Twitter. Um, But innovation also means how can smaller companies innovate to match what their user base needs. And if we rely too much on what Congress is doing, we may pigeonhole ourselves into a, a single way of approaching things, which actually may be a barrier to entry for a lot of smaller companies and may actually benefit only Facebook and Twitter from actually getting c- competition to show them uh, what should be done. I just can't tell you how happy it makes me to hear people who will consider what uh, some of the unintended consequences might be beyond mm-hmm. the immediate result. I wish more people would take that approach and uh, have less of that reliance on, well, this is now a matter of public policy. Let's get the state involved. Um, me too. Tell me, tell me this. Where can, uh, Luke, where can our, our listeners find access to your work? Where can they see what you do? Yeah, so I think the best would be Twitter. Um, you can follow me at LiberLuke, at the Liber Latin, L-I-B-E-R, LiberLuke, and Twitter. Okay, very good. And, of course, uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking to you again as you are a Young Voices contributor, and hopefully we'll have you uh, back on this program again sometime very soon. That'd be great. Thanks. Okay. That was Luke Ashton. We will have a link to his article, uh, which we were just discussing. This is, again, on techdirt.com. Section 230 lets tech fix content moderation issues. Congress should respect that. We will take a quick break. We'll be back on Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network.